Welcome to Fundamentals of Canadian Law. I'm Matt Shepard. It's mid-March as I record this, and St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner. I'm joined by Morgan Jarvis, the Academic Director of our Certificate in Law program. We thought it might be a good opportunity to look at how the law affects us in our daily lives by taking one of the calendar's minor holidays, St. Patrick's Day, and our survey course of Canadian law, Law 201701, and seeing how much the law interacts with what happens on that day. Given that we're recording this at Queen's University, the conversation naturally turns to the city of Kingston's recent nuisance party bylaw, but we discover there's a lot more law to St. Patrick's Day than you might think. This is probably a good time to mention that we're not your lawyers and this is not legal advice. Information in this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. If you need legal help, you should consult a lawyer. Or if you're a Queen's University student, drop by the Queen's Law Clinics and they can either help you out or point you in the right direction. This podcast is brought to you by the Queen's Certificate in Law, the only online certificate in law offered by a law faculty in Canada. You can find out more at takelaw.ca. So, Morgan, let's talk about St. Patrick's Day and all of the ways that St. Patrick's Day connects to the law. And we're talking here about uh, St. Patrick's Day is a time sometimes where people gather in small, respectful gatherings to have, a, call it, quiet contemplation of the contributions of, of Irish culture to Canadian society. So in the context of these small, quiet gatherings on or around March the 17th, uh, there's a lot of different ways that the law interacts with them. And I thought it might be fun to take Law 201, which is our flagship course, and use all of the sections of Law 201 and see how many of those actually play into things that are happening on or around St. Patrick's Day. So let's let's kick it off close to the top of the course. And I think this is actually going to be one of our bigger topics. You get to constitutional law pretty early in the course. Yes, uh, exactly. We we open it up with a little overview of Canadian law and how the law is structured in Canada, what the sources of law are, and then we get into some legal reasoning, thinking like a lawyer, and um, then right into the the real content of the course, and that does start off with constitutional law. While we're talking about St. Patty's Day, we pulled up this uh, new, relatively new, last year it came in a couple of days after St. Patty's Day, the um, what's called the, the nuisance parties bylaw, and it's actually an interesting uh, little little legal. I guess it's been subject to some fairly heated debate, really, largely because it was kind of interpreted initially as applying to student parties, um, especially coming in right after St. Patty's Day. And in this context, you know, you might interpret it to think, "Wow, this is really just targeting student parties." But it actually reads when you read legislation, you do you, you do think about the intent of it, but you read it for its wording. And it, is, it isn't written to only apply to, to students or only to parties. Um, and, and we'll get in, into, those, into that word meaning a little bit. But just to set it up as a bit of a constitutional issue right off the bat, it's quite interesting reading the bylaw because it, it opens up talking about all the, the legislation where the city gets its power to enact a bylaw like this that stops people from, from having nuisance parties. Um, and, and that's based in the Municipal Act. And if we go back to the Constitution, it actually divides power over the law between the federal government and the provincial government. And one of the areas of provincial power is the power over municipalities. And so then the Ontario government enacts a municipal act. Then here we have in the city bylaw, 
they're citing different sections of the Municipal Act, saying that the municipality, under the Municipal Act, the municipality can pass bylaws. And they they state that if someone contravenes them, it's an offense, and they can establish a system of fines for such offenses. They can pass bylaws for the well-being of the community, and and they can prohibit public nuisance, and they can forcibly enter people's property to enforce them. And therefore, the council concludes that a nuisance party is a public nuisance that they can regulate. And then off, off they go into talking about what is a nuisance party. And this is one of the things that actually Law 201 helped me understand is the constitutional law module in there really did unpack where power kind of resides and how power is derived in Canada and really helped me understand that chain of provincial to municipal to agents of the municipality and kind of how authority happens and where authority comes from. And when we start getting into all the components of the nuisance bylaw, you can kind of see all the different ways those pull together. Uh, yes, right, and and our and actually our we actually have a public constitutional course too. And when people enjoy that part of two hundred one, then they can dig a little deeper. And Professor Shanks is a is a um, a lawyer with the government who does a fantastic job in that course. It's very very popular. So perhaps to dig a little more into into how they've defined um, nuisance parties, I, I think it it provides a, a rather interesting little statutory interpretation question and a little bit of a bit of um, meat for a for a legal argument. They say nuisance party means a gathering on premises which by reason of the conduct of any one of or any one or more of the persons in attendance is characterized by any one or more of the following. And one of the some of those are, are, are public intoxication and use of or entry upon a roof not intended for such occupancy. And I find those kind of curious because they th- th- those are right where you're quite clearly target like it like you could picture the student ghetto on on homecoming or St. Patty's Day and all those students sitting with their beer at eleven o'clock in the morning on roofs. Um, <laughs> so you know I, I never seen that anywhere else. So they're quite clearly targeting students here, I think. But then I I think about it. Well, I often on the weekend some buddies will come over and I'm I'm doing I'm doing house renos. And so we'll be moving lumber up from, from one level to another, and, and we pile the lumber up on, on one roof, sit, sit and have a beer together, and then shift the lumber up into the third floor window from that roof. So we're sit, sitting on, we're, we're a gathering on a rooftop. Um, so I guess now we're actually having a nuisance party, and we can be subject to up to $25,000 in fines. Same with, with public intoxication. I, I find that's kind of fun because I, you'll, you'll learn about it in the criminal law module of 201. Professor Kerr, a fantastic law law professor here, specializing in criminal law, and she actually cites a, a section of of the criminal code, which I remember learning about in first year criminal law here too, where it, it, it's about public nudity, and it's it's a fun case because you would you would think that public nudity um, as a criminal offense must be you know running down the street nude and and thoroughly offending everybody. But but really, it's also if you're sitting in your own living room with your blinds open and and people can see you from a public place, that's also public nudity. So then I then I see you know public intoxication here where they haven't defined public. Should that same interpretation apply? Where you know again, if I'm sitting with some friends having um, a bottle of whiskey, which I can't say doesn't happen after said house renos, you know, are we now a nuisance party because people could see us from the street gathering? on a premises, which is my home, and we're intoxicated. 
And I think the point here is we're not really questioning. There, there's a baseline intent of this law, which right. is to help the municipality solve a problem and to improve town and gown relations. Exactly. And there's certainly, and I think the law probably does a good job and goes a long way toward that intent. But there's stuff in here that when you take a course like Law 201, you begin to develop that kind of think like a lawyer reasoning. And you can start reading these things and start understanding what mm -hmm. the phrases actually mean and unpacking kind of what may be some points of ambiguity or might what might be some looseness around the phrasing. That, that is, that's right. We do that right away in, in week two. We try to, I, I do these kinds of exercises where we're, we're walking through examples and trying to get you to, to think about word meaning and, of course, the, the intent of, of uh, rules and legislation. And, and then so, so that is important, you're right, to, to consider that the intent of this obviously be called nuisance parties. That's the intent. Um, I think maybe just the debate has been around because of the, the vagueness of the wording and the open-ended um, or, or the ability to, to really interpret it in multiple ways. It does give the police a lot of power. Um, thankfully, you know, certainly as my experience here, we've only I've only had very positive interactions with Kingston police. They're fantastic people. They're used to dealing with the student population in very positive ways so so i mean i don't think we have to be concerned in any way um but it does you know it's if there is room for if if there wasn't someone who who um was acting with the best intentions there is certainly some room there for for error perhaps on on the police side or for misinterpretation on the on the police side and, and then again sorry. it's it's a fun intellectual exercise right. just to go through this and sort of see well let's let's take this with a critical eye and see mm -hmm. what comes up when we look at it through that lens yeah, exactly. And, and I think the, the thing to keep in mind here is that if you do go go astray and end up um, being actually charged under this, you know, the fine can be up to $25,000. And I know there's some, some wealthy families who, who send their children to, to Queens, but I don't, I don't think even, even the Richardson family of the Richardson Stadium would, would um, stomach a, a fine like that too, too easily. Actually, speaking of Richardson's, I've been dying to talk about the, the, the recent Huawei issues in, in, in the law in this podcast. So I'm just going to take a really quick diversion on that. But you may have been reading in the news lately that there, the uh, Richardson International, their big grain dealing company, was actually hit with an embargo um, by the Chinese government to, as, a, as a retaliatory move from, well, we, we're interpreting as a re retaliatory move. Um, stopping the Canadian canola shipments from our prairie farmers, all starting from that, our, those, our extradition agreement between the U.S. and Canada. So that's international law. We cover our international law course and at the end of 201. Um, so we have this extradition treaty. So as pursuant to that, we arrest a Huawei executive who's, who, who the uh, U.S. have asked us to arrest if she steps into Canada. And so we did. And we're going through our due process in in that regard, and and it appears that the Chinese government is reacting in in various various ways to kind of make a point. And so here you've got something as way up there in international as extradition treaties coming right down, hitting our prairie farmers in 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 the pocket when they really they really can't afford it. So it's an interesting example of of the, the big concepts in the law coming down to really count for for average people. And this is something again that we cover substantially in the international law course and in kind of your retooling of 201 there's now an international law component to 201 as well yeah exactly right and then at the beginning too we're we're really trying to introduce these um these topics happening in the world all around you to show you why why learning some basics of, of the law really matters so you can read these news stories and understand 
um, because in a story like the Huawei one, there are so many legal issues coming up, particularly around the rule of law we keep seeing uh, or hearing raised. So, so yeah, we just want to make sure everybody's aware of that and, and given that context, understanding of why, we're, why we want them to know this about the law all around them. So we've got, um, we've got this Kingston bylaw as an interesting example of how constitutional law ties back to things like St. Patrick's Day and measures that municipalities might enforce to, to curb celebrations, so on and so forth. But what other things in the St. Patrick's Day environment also tie back to the law? I've, I've got a couple of things in mm-hmm. mind, and I'm sure you do as well. Right, yeah, and it's it's an important part of what people have been saying in, in interpreting this bylaw too. Is that this is a a bylaw targeting nuisance parties, but don't forget there are already rules against public intoxication, and you know they talk about urinating and defecating in public and throwing garbage all over the place. So these are of course all bylaw offenses anyway. And then there's a whole there's a whole other area of law that we areas of law that we, we cover in in the course that that would also be issues to consider and and. First that comes to mind to me are the, are the concepts of you know property and tort as a as a, a landowner or a tenant you are in possession of of the property and what goes on on your property um, you can be responsible for that so if you and that's under, under torts now if you're hosting a big party people are getting drunk and say they're driving home or they're going off and hurting people or there's a fight on your property um, you've allowed people to get drunk and get carried away and somebody gets gets hurt something goes wrong you you could be liable for that you could be responsible for that you could be paying the uh, hundreds of thousands millions of damages for if it's you know serious uh, harm that that someone suffers so I, I think I think it's it's important to be aware of that anyway regardless of whatever these bylaws say you can be found at common law responsible when you have a duty of care for someone else you put yourself out there in a position where somebody is vulnerable to your your acts um, and and you go go wrong and they get hurt you could be responsible for that so the tort law portion of this is we really get into this idea of duty of care and responsibility and negligence and a better understanding of and you're right it's a good for instance if you throw a party and someone gets hurt uh, it is your duty of care and potentially your negligence that would lead to a lawsuit and, and, and decisions. Uh, but then you also mentioned kind of in passing, a pro- the property law module, among many other things, does unpack a bit of what you need to understand to really understand a landlord-tenant relationship and what rights tenants have and what rights landlords have and what right you as a property owner have versus the rights that you're conferring on your tenants when you actually rent to them. We, we kind of talk about at the big picture level of property being a bundle of rights and you can you can re- retain parts of those rights and give other people parts of those some of those rights you can give them on a limit for a limited term you can give them subject to all kinds of restrictions and conditions or you can just you know you completely sell your property you transfer all of those rights to, to someone else um, so just just trying another couple of things from the course just to see if we can make an association we're on to contracts what about there's a contract module in law 201 contract implications when we get back to the bylaw one of the outcomes of the bylaw is prospectively that you'll get a summons to court and the university will be notified and then you will be brought up on potentially non-academic misconduct charges which speaks to your contract as a student with the university as a student here you are bound by the university's rules, and that's effectively something that would come under contract law, as I understand it. Sure, yeah, you can you can agree to whatever you want with with 
somebody else as long as it's legal. So there's there's contracts all around us all the time without even well you're supposed to know but yeah as long as you know you are agreeing and uh, coming coming in into some contractual relationship an agreement of some sort it doesn't need to be written down you can even have just you know verbal contracts that you're you're bound to do something in exchange for something else and we get into the idea of consideration and the the furthest flung i got was straining to try and figure out how intellectual property connects to this the best i could do is if you wanted to say make a t-shirt with the brands of some of your favorite beverages on it uh, to give to your friends at a party or something, you can't do that because you can't actually just use the copyright of and the trademarks of those organizations without their consent. Right, yeah. A similar. I guess I was thinking of a similar example because back when I, I was a student here, um, the, 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 the house I'm picturing is now, I think, right on the edge of, of where, the, where the campus has been growing, so it's quite run down. But there had been... A giant Playboy bunny painted on one of the houses, and it was referred to, uh, of course, inappropriately as what that was what they were getting at the the Playboy house. And I, I always thought later when I learned about the law, I thought, wow, I wonder if that's an infringement of that trademark. I'm sure Playboy would have registered, and if they haven't registered, they, they've at least developed common law rights in that trademark. Um, and I would I would think you, they could argue in in association with with wild parties. So if you have this you know that logo on your house and you're hosting parties you're you're probably infringing their trademark because you only get trademark rights in in association with the goods and services that, that you're providing the the tricky bit, bit of the argument there is connecting them but it's, yeah it's the same idea i'm thinking about the posters and you see a lot of different things in in house windows as you're walking around the student ghetto and i yeah i've been kind of pondering like where's the where are the trademark issues there because those posters of course are covered in in trademarks, um, logos and branding. Right. So, I mean, I, I think I think the idea here was let's take St. Patrick's Day as um, as just an example of something you can throw at Law 201 and see how it sticks. And the point isn't really let's dissect St. Patrick's Day from a legal standpoint. It's how does the law apply to almost everything in our lives? And I think we've got a pretty good proof here that you can take almost anything and look at it from a legal lens and see that it's not even just a question of one law. That applies to something but the law all sorts of laws kind of intersect with stuff we're doing all the time in our daily lives exactly right the law is all around us there's legal rules all around us and um, ignorance of the law is no excuse all right thank you morgan thank you thanks to morgan jarvis if you're interested in a sampler tray of canadian law covering almost every subject of import you should check out law 201 701 Introduction to Canadian Law at takelaw.ca Fundamentals of Canadian Law is recorded at Queen's University, situated on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Our theme music is by Megan Hamilton, who's also a staff member here at Queen's Law. You can find out more about her music at meganhamiltonmusic.wordpress.com Original illustrations for this podcast are by Valerie Desrochers. You can find her work at vdesrochers.com Thanks for listening.